So my name is Jack Clabby. I am an attorney at Carlton Fields in Tampa, Florida, and I want to thank the folks at the American Land Title Association for the opportunity to respond to some of their member questions and record this podcast. We have an outstanding panel today, and I'm allowed to say that uh, because many of them are my colleagues and friends. Uh, first in the room with me here in Tampa, Joe Swanson. We also have uh, dialing in from Jacksonville, Florida, Elizabeth Riley from Fidelity National Financial. And we have uh, joining us in Miami, my colleague, Stephen Blickensdurfer. Let's just take a minute, Joe, if you'd start and just give us a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Jack. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, as Jack mentioned, my name is Joe Swanson. I'm Jack's colleague here in Tampa. I'm a shareholder in uh, the firm, and I chair the firm's privacy and cybersecurity practice group. All right. And Liz, uh, can you tell the, the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, thanks, Jack. I'm in-house counsel for the Fidelity family of title insurance companies. Jack mentioned I'm based out of our headquarters here in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, my role as in-house counsel includes serving as senior privacy counsel and as compliance and regulatory counsel for Fidelity. I also am co-chair of Alta's Data Privacy Task Force and uh, really appreciate the folks at Carlton Fields um, taking the time to sit down with us and talk through some of our pressing questions on CCPA. Thank you, Liz. And last but not least, Steve, can you tell us a little, a little bit about yourself? Thanks, Jack. Uh, my name is Steve Blickensdurfer. I'm a senior associate in the Miami office of Carlton Fields. I have been doing data privacy now for a number of years, starting with uh, the GDPR. A number of us have probably cut their teeth on the GDPR, I, I being one of them. I'm also a certified information privacy professional uh, w with the IAPP, uh, with the specialty focus on U.S. privacy laws, California privacy law being one of them. Thanks, Steve. And yeah, we have on this podcast two SIPs and two CHIPs. Right, and so uh, Liz, Liz, and Steve are both CIPP professionals, and Joe and I were both uh, chips, which is computer hacking, intellectual property professionals, uh, back when we were in government service as federal prosecutors. So we'd like to have that kind of balance on the podcast here. And uh, some of you may recognize Steve and Joe from the CF on Cyber podcast, and the uh, we're going to hopefully keep this uh, in the same vein where it's going to be interesting. Uh, but it's also going to be a little bit of fun. Uh, Liz, can you can you kind of give us a sense of the, how we're going to frame this out and, and how we put together the topics for today? Yes. Uh, so this is mailbag style. We have real questions from real Alta members. And as you know, our Alta membership is comprised of title insurance companies, title and settlement agents, abstractors, title searchers, real estate attorneys across the country. So. Many are in California, many are outside of the state. Um, some are large insurers and agents, and many are smaller to mid-sized agents and producers. And you know, while our industry, like many others, was not the target of the California Consumer Privacy Act, we are caught up in its uh, crosshairs at this point. And so really it's just, a, you know, all 10 members have heard the CCPA sound bites. You know, we know hundreds of thousands of businesses may have to comply. There's exorbitant compliance costs, steep fines and penalties if you don't comply. And there's a sense that our members want to get beyond the sound bites. Um, we want to better understand what the CCPA means for us. You know, do we have compliance obligations? If so, where do we start? So we surveyed our members 
asked what questions they have regarding the California Consumer Privacy Act, and, and here we are. These are questions from our members, and, and we know we'll get some great information for our membership through this podcast today. Thanks so much. Uh, Joe, can you give us a little bit of an overview on the CCPA before we dive into the topics? Absolutely. Thanks, Jack. The CCPA takes effect January 1st, so less than a month from now, um, it goes into effect. Now, the Attorney General for California has uh, responsibility for enforcing the law, and um, by virtue of the status of the pending regulations, which I'll talk about in a moment, he will not, as a practical matter, begin enforcement until July 1st of 2020. Um, I said pending regulations. That's because in uh, October, I believe, um, the Attorney General's office issued um, pages of proposed regulations and put them out for public comment, and they are currently taking public comment, or I think the period closed just this Friday, so they're now considering those comments, and we can expect final regulations uh, at some point in the future. I mean, given the holidays as a practical matter, it may not be until after the first of the year, but that's where things stand. Uh, Steve, will you uh, take it from here and summarize the topics that uh, we're going to be covering today? Sure. Thanks, Joe. Um, just it, it, the first and foremost topic that we're going to be covering is who does the CCPA apply to and what does it mean to be a quote-unquote business under the CCPA? Because that is the operative term and, and definition used to uh, drive many of the CCPA discussions. The next thing we're, I think we're going to focus on is, is if you're not a business, how else can the CCPA impact you? And, and what would your responsibilities be if you were, let's say, a service provider? And if you're a service provider um, or if you want to be one, uh, what do you have to have in place in order to be a service provider? What would be the benefits of being a service provider over, let's say, a third party, which is the other category and theme that we're going to get into? So once you figure out um, what your business is um, under the CCPA, then we'll figure out what the roles and responsibilities are. What does it mean uh, to sell data under the CCPA? It's a very uh, easy word to you know kind of understand in concept, but under the CCPA has a very strict uh, definition and, and how to uh, the exceptions for selling are very, very important because with them uh, come many extra responsibilities if you're selling and if you're not, then you escape some of those responsibilities. And I may maybe we'll also wrap up with what other states are doing or, or kind of looking forward after we've kind of gone through the mailbag. So those are a brief overview of some of the things that we're going to be going over today. Thanks so much, Steve. Uh, we're about to jump into the mailbag here. I can. It sort of looks like uh, the sack that Santa Claus carries around for letters this, this time of year. There's quite a bit of uh, information in it. Before we do that, it wouldn't be a legal podcast, though, without some disclaimers. First, uh, this is not legal advice. Uh, if you're listening to this, even if you are a client, it's not legal advice. This is for education purposes uh, only. If there are clear answers, we will give you clear answers. Uh, if there's speculation, we'll tell you that we're speculating. So we'll, we'll help you get on either side of the line. But nothing replaces a conversation with your counsel about this stuff. And the second, uh, Liz works at Fidelity, but she is not here in her official capacity or uh, representing Fidelity. Uh, her opinions are her own and, and not those of her employer. So uh, without further ado, let's get into it. So question the first, does the CCPA apply to my company, which does not have offices in California? That is, does it apply only to the largest title agencies? 
Joe, you want to get us started with that one? Sure. And like all good legal questions, the answer is largely it depends, Jack. And um, we're going to run through a couple of the different questions that need to be answered for a business that's trying to evaluate whether the CCPA applies to them. First off, you should know that the CCPA applies to a business. What is a business? Well, there's a multi-part test under the law. And first off, um, you have to satisfy all three of the following. You are a for-profit business. You collect California consumers' personal information, or that information is collected on your behalf, and you determine the purposes and means of processing that personal information. So that was the second prong. So you are a for-profit business. Uh, you collect California consumers' personal information, and you determine the purposes and means of processing it, and you do business in the state of California. That third piece, you do business in the state of California, I want to give a couple of sort of brief examples or, or um, uh, illustrations. If you have an office in California, then yes, you're doing business in California. If you have employees in California, yes, you are doing business. If you have customers in California, that's where it depends. In all likelihood, it applies, uh, but there's one other uh, analysis that you need to do when evaluating whether the CCPA applies, and that is one of the following three provisions has to apply. One, the business has at least $25 million in annual gross revenues. The law is not clear on this, but in all likelihood, that is not limited to revenues in California. The second option would be the company buys, sells, shares, and or receives the personal information of at least 50,000 California consumers, households, or devices on an annual basis. And the final option is that the business derives at least 50% of its annual revenue from selling California consumers' personal information. So, Joe, you, you had mentioned in there uh, personal information. I just want to make sure we understand the definition of personal information before we kind of move forward. And you also mentioned California consumer, and, and we use California consumer interchangeably with resident because that's effectively what it means. So when we're talking about personal information, it's a very broad definition that is kind of lockstep in many ways with European GDPR's definition of personal data. Uh, and so personal information means under the statute information that identifies, relates to, describes, or is reasonably capable of being associated with or could reasonably be linked directly or indirectly with a particular consumer or household. And the or household is new. That's a new thing that California brings to the table when it comes to uh, privacy laws and protection. Uh, historically, it's pretty much just been the individual. So if you think about IP addresses that are static that identify a house, not necessarily an individual, uh, that would be uh, personal information. What's also in, important here is that the CCPA, unlike the GDPR, offers categories of personal information that are caked into the statute, and you would find those in Section 140. Oh, and, and those categories are important because the other provisions of the CCPA talk about uh, what you have to have in your online privacy notice. And those online privacy notice are required to track the categories of personal information that are in the statute. So just to kind of tie it together and summarize it, you'll find biometric information, geo, geolocation data, uh, the classics, personal information or like contact information, and importantly, internet or other electronic network activity. So that's just, uh, and it was a big thing, but it's important to note what 
personal information means under the CCPA. Uh, important caveat before we leave what information is covered. It's important to note that at the very end of uh, the fall, early in the winter in 2019, the uh, CCPA was amended to include a provision that excludes employee data uh, for the most part from the CCPA's uh, requirements. And that exclusion has a sunset provision at the end of 2020. So beginning January 1, 2021, Employee data would otherwise uh, be subject to the obligations and requirements of the CCPA, but for the most part, for 2020, uh, businesses, um, employee data is largely excluded from the, uh, the underneath the CCPA. Thanks so much, Steve. The you know one other point we're going to talk about a little bit later in the in the cast too is the breadth of the word sale. Uh, and it doesn't mean, you know, just going into a store and trading money for, for personal information. There's a lot more to it that we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, the second question kind of relates to the first, uh, and, it, and it touches on this idea of doing business in the state of California. Is there a threshold when it comes to the number of customers in California? And does it matter that we didn't do anything to solicit those customers? All right, so the hypothetical here is, a large title agency with offices in, let's say, New York, Florida, and Connecticut. Um, no office, no employees, no physical presence in California. But let's say they do 20, 30, 50 California residents a year, perhaps because the realtor they're working with in New York, Florida, or Connecticut, uh, you know, likes that title company, right? That likes that title agency and just wants to work with them. So you've got a large East Coast. Uh, title agency that a couple of times a year just deals with transactions that take place on the East Coast but touch a California resident's data. Do we have an application of the CCPA? Is this company a business uh, if they otherwise meet the standards? So on this hypothetical, I'll, I'll take a crack at this, right? Here's one way to think about it. The statute and the proposed regs do not provide a cutoff they don't tell us what doing business means in terms of customers if you're not otherwise registered to do business or active in the state of California. So if you are serving 20, 30, 40 California residents a year and you otherwise are a relatively large title agency, uh, the California AG or a consumer would have a pretty good argument that you're doing business in California. Right? The risk profile for that kind of an organization, though, isn't that high. Right? There's going to be quite a bit of enforcement activity by the AG and others before they get around to doing anything against you. So I think your profile is not that significant. There's actually an exemption in the uh, CCPA, which is worth looking at for companies that fit this description. It's uh, 1798.145. Um, under A and under 6, okay, so 145A6. And it essentially says the obligations that are imposed on businesses by this title shall not restrict a business's ability to collect or sell a consumer's personal information if every aspect of that commercial conduct takes place wholly outside of California. All right, well, what does that mean, right, for our, for our large title agency that's on the East Coast is cranking through $25 million in revenue but does 20, 30, 40 a year. Well, they're not going to qualify for that exemption because, because, and there's more in the statute, 
the business collected the information while the consumer was outside of California. So if these 20, 30, 40 transactions are taking place, you know, it's a timeshare purchase, right, or it's a, uh, it's, a, it's a condo purchase, or it's a real property purchase, and it's in Florida, if at the point of collection and every touch occurs outside California, you've got a shot at this. But again, what we are talking about is, I think for a company with this profile, a highlight or a likelihood that the CCPA does apply to them, but a low likelihood that they're going to get really entangled with things. Uh, all right, so let's talk about the question number three. Again, it's kind of a similar question about the definition here. And Joe, we're going to, there's a little bit of a wind up here, but we're going to look to you for the answer on this one. Uh, there's a, in 1798.140, all right, there's a, one of it is, it's C1B, okay, but we're talking about the definition, um, which is, you know, um, you have to have the, the, the big three plus one of the other little three, which is 25 million in gross revenues or buy, sell, share, 50,000 or 50% of revenue. Um, but the phrase in uh, about the 50,000 resident, residents says, uh, quote, unquote, receives for commercial purposes or, quote, unquote, shares for commercial purposes. Uh, you know, does it matter if it's commercial purposes in terms of what actually gets done with this, this data? Let's say you are, again, you're this multi-state East Coast title agency. You're all over the East Coast. You're making, uh, you know, you're not necessarily making $25 million in gross revenues, but you're active and you've got a website. Your website doesn't aim to get business in California, but you don't know. It's possible that 50,000 or more California households or devices connect with you. Is that going to be subject to the CCPA? You know, it, it, at this point, at least, until there's some clarification from the Attorney General's office in the regulations or otherwise, um, it's not clear. And, and it's a close call. And frankly, a strict reading of it would probably say that it does apply on that fact pattern, Jack. And that's why uh, the, the reason for that, um, or one way to look at it here, is if you focus on the definition of commercial purposes, which is defined in 1798, dot 140. Uh, it's not that helpful. It's a, it's a lengthy definition. I'll try to paraphrase it, but it, it means to advance a person's commercial or economic interests by inducing another person to buy, rent, lease, join, uh, do a number of other things um, in connection with a commercial transaction. And so, you know, the hypothetical that you posed, I think, is looking at what happens where there's this passive collection of IP information from people in a state that the company does not do business in, in this case, California. And you know this is a very real problem for a lot of companies that have a significant presence uh, online and may very well have some number of uh, California residents visiting their website um, enough to surpass this 50,000 in a year, which I think on average is like 140 a day or something fairly modest. Um, in the GDPR, there's a concept of whether or not you're sort of targeting uh, the residents. There's not that same kind of concept in the CCPA. It, at least on its face, is much more absolute in its application. And so the company in the hypothetical that, that you posed, um, albeit passive collection of possibly 50,000 or more, in this case, IP addresses, with no plan to actually use that information, um, while they are probably not intended uh, to be encompassed by the CCPA, as a practical matter, they probably are, uh, or at least until there's some clarification, they should presume that they are. 
And a company like that too, Joe, you know, again, if they're not doing business in California and the only data they're collecting are these sort of passive IP addresses, their risk profile is pretty low too. I agree, I agree. Um, but the, the inquiry that, that companies should be going through really is this, am I doing business and, and, and what does it mean?